You guys look good today. I just want to take you in for a minute. It's good to be here. Thank you so much for welcoming me. Um, as the kids are making their way to their classroom, um, I'm going to give you a... So Aaron told me, Aaron asked me a few weeks ago if I would speak on Thanksgiving and worship. And I was like, I'm in. I could speak on that any day of the week. I love that topic. Yes, and then... He proceeded to the next week preach his own message on Thanksgiving in worship. And I was like, thanks. Thanks for that, Aaron. I appreciate that. All of that to say, the Lord has tweaked this message a little bit, but I do have a little tidbit on Thanksgiving that I want to, um, that I want to add. And the Lord, he, he speaks to me. Um, I love that he speaks through his creation. Have you guys ever... Notice that he speaks through his creation. And there's these truths that are in his word that if you, if you approach science and if you approach logic with an open heart, that it actually proves it. And there was this one thing that I just, that verse that says you enter his gates with thanksgiving and you enter his courts with praise, right? That's an old verse from Psalms 100. And it's a verse that I use a lot in worship because it's the entry point. It's the entry point to his presence, is Thanksgiving. And um, I just want to play a real quick clip from a, um, has anyone ever heard of Brene Brown? Anyone? She's a researcher um, at the University of Houston, and she does this amazing worship where she interviews like just thousands of people, and then she collects all of this information, and then she rummages through it and finds, basically, I mean, it's, it's science. Um, and I want to show you something about what she found. between joy and gratitude was one of the most important things I found, I found in the research. Um, I wasn't expecting it, um, but what I found, you know, 12 years of research, um, 11,000 pieces of data, I, ha I did not interview in all that time a person who would describe themselves as joyful or describe their lives as joyous who did not actively practice gratitude. Um, and for me, it was very counterintuitive because I kind of went into the research thinking that the relationship between joy and gratitude was if you're joyful, then you should be grateful. But it wasn't that way at all. It was really that practicing gratitude invites joy into our lives. And when I say practice, I think this is, this is the part that really changed my life, that changed my family and the way we live every day. When I say practice gratitude, I don't mean kind of like the attitude of gratitude or feeling grateful. I mean practicing gratitude. These folks shared in common a tangible gratitude practice. They either kept gratitude journals. Um, some of them did interesting things like at 1, 2, 3, 4, like at 12, 34 every day, they said something out loud that they were grateful for. They, um, one of the things that we do, like we say grace at dinner. And so now after grace, we go around and everyone good. in my family says something they're grateful so for. So she and goes on. It's, it's, it's great. I love um, looking at her research and what she's done because um, it's just, it's all, it's all logic based and it's all science. And I'm like, but do you, do you see how like her science and what she did through her research proves that verse that you, you don't have joy unless you, the entrance to his presence is gratitude and thankfulness and as we do that um, then we can come into the fullness of joy and all of that so that is a that is free that is actually not what I'm talking about today 
That's free. You're welcome. All right. <laughs> um, when, I, when, I was, when I was preparing, the Lord made it really clear to me what he wanted me to talk to you about, although I will have to say and admit to you right now, I don't know exactly how he's going to do it. Um, I'm usually very all laid out. I have all my points. I have everything all ready to go. And this time he just said, he said, Lydia, I want you to talk about my body. And he said that, and it was with such, um, I felt his heart on it so much to the point, and it was specifically talking about, we've, we've been talking about his body the last few weeks. We've been talking about his body and blood. We've been talking about him being the bread of life and him being our, our sustainer and all of that, needing our daily bread. There's been all these things that have just been coming up around him being our bread um, and the body of Christ. But specifically when he said, talk about my body, I felt his heart for talking about the church. We are his body. Like he talks about his body being broken and he thanks the Lord, he gives thanks and he breaks it and he passes it out, right? And then, and then he says, you're my body. And I believe he does the same thing with us. Like we enter with thanksgiving and it kind of ties together in some ways and then we're broken and then we're passed out. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, um, so I'm going to talk to you about the church today. And um, I feel, yeah, I'm just letting you know up front. It's going to be maybe a little, like, just take, in fact, I want prayer um, from you guys right now. I want to pray that the Lord would do what he wants to do because I feel such a weight on it. I feel like there's something that he's, so you guys should just pray with me right now. I feel like there's something that he is wanting to do, something that he is doing in his body. It's like he's awakening something in us that has been a plan from long ago. It's something that he's stirring in the body and it's not just, just local, it's global. And it's something that's so important to his heart. It's so deep on his heart. And so, Lord, I just pray, um, Lord, I just ask for your words and your wisdom. Lord, I thank you for your love for the church. You're so good. Um, man, he's good. I, uh, anytime, so <laughs> this side story here. When I was uh, preparing for my third son to be born, um, Nathan, he's in the back there. Um, I was preparing, he was in the womb, and I was preparing, and I decided to do uh, a preparation. It was called hypnotherapy, and it's, it's it, don't worry, it wasn't, it wasn't all like middle, like whatever. Um, it was really just tuning into your mind and, and, and understanding your body and that you actually, that your mind has some say in what your body experiences. And I say this because <laughs> every time that I would do this, I would repeat this woman, it would be this like light music. Did anyone do pause, the pause app? It was, it was, like, it was like, like this light music and this, and this lady that like I was, I was reading and it was like, your body knows just what to do. Your body, blah, blah, blah. Your body. And then I hear this little voice and this is Jack, raise your hand. This is my son, Jack. He's like two and he's like, your body, mama. 
And so <laughs> Jesus was talking, he was like, I want you to talk about my body. And I'm like, your body. <laughs> oh, he's so funny. All right, so let's talk, about, let's talk about this. And I was reminded when he said something about his body, God has been showing me a lot about his church really over the past, I would say, four or five years. Um, you know, we were at um, Gamsburg for years, and I was helping with worship there, and we were starting to sense that he was moving us and doing a transition, and yet we didn't want to go until he was telling us where we were going, right? Um, and that was our plan. And so, but there happened to be, like, he, he made it really clear. He's, like, showing us, like, that we need to let go here, and we didn't know where we were going to be. And that was a really difficult season. Anybody else been in that? I feel like there was a lot of transition a few years ago. It's still somewhat happening. But what's really cool is that, I mean, it's, it's the Lord. He's, you know, sometimes you can leave in bitterness. Sometimes you can leave, um, you know, because something happened or because you don't like this or you don't like that. But there is a, a season and there's times when he will, when he will move you. Um, because he's, pla he's planting you somewhere else. Um, and so... Um, I want to read, nope, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you about, so, yes, all right, so God was showing me all these things, um, and in the midst of this season of transition, I felt like he was showing me, I, I don't often see visions and pictures and stuff, but he kept showing me these things, and in one of these, in one of these things, I want to tell you what I saw. So, it was right before I was going to be um, actually speaking a word at Troy first, that was one of the churches that we were pouring into in that transition season and um, I was praying and just worshiping the Lord and he showed me this picture and I want you guys to picture this with me all right so I very clearly saw these like it was like I was looking down on this city and I saw these little almost cartoon characters um and, and I was like, what is this at first? But then it, was, then it became really clear. I'm, I'm seeing little pieces of a piano. So I'm seeing like these little white keys with like little eyes and little legs walking around. And I see these little black keys and I see like these big brass pedals. And I see like these big long strings, you know, with, with a piano you have these big strings that like, you know, vibrate and that's how it makes the sound. And um, these little tuning but anyways, I'm seeing all of these tiny little pieces, and it's the city, and they're wa and they're walking around, and they're and they're living their lives, and there's such discontent in this city. There's there's uh, the people like the <laughs> the white keys were all hanging around together, and this was back in like 2020, like back and and there's the black keys that were hanging around together, and they didn't really want to have much to do with each other. There was. Um, uh, there was jealousy, um, like, <laughs> this is funny, but like the, the big, there was the little skinny, uh, you know, strings, and then there was like the fat petals, and they were like, like the fat petals were jealous of the skinny strings, and the skinny strings were jealous of the shiny brass petals, and there was just all of this angst, and, and I don't know if God does this with you, but with me, lots of times when he shows me something, it's like I can see this picture, but then there's all this content like downloaded at the same time. It's like in an instant he shows me, he shows me this. And so I'm seeing this picture, but I'm also, I'm feeling all of these feelings from this, 
from this, I'm going to call them people because they're representing people, right? I'm, I'm feeling all these feelings, and I can tell what they're wanting. They're all wanting to find what their purpose is. They're all wanting to figure out what am I supposed to be doing in this life? Why am I here? What am I doing? And they're all trying to figure it out. And I could see, you know, I could see a couple of the strings um, found jobs where they would have to vibrate in order to do their job. And so they felt a little bit like they were doing some of their purpose, you know, because they were kind of like doing a little bit about what they were made to do but none of them were like it was like up on this hill there was like this piano box missing all of the pieces and it's like hello is you guys need to come and be a part of this piano this is what you're made for this this is what you it's so obvious from up here I'm seeing like you guys need to you're not going to ever realize your destiny you're not going to ever realize your purpose until you come and get in place and it was just this beautiful picture, and the Lord was like, man, this is, this is, this is my church. This is what's going on in my church. And I'm going to expand on that in a minute and bring in some verses, but I want to tell you one more piece of that, because, you know, he was showing me this, and I'm just blown away, and then I'm like, Lord, more, Lord, I want more. And you got to be careful when you ask the Lord for more. <laughs> because it can be overwhelming. And so, like, I'm, I'm looking, I'm seeing this piano, and then it zooms out. And this piano is just one of the pieces, like, the piece in the front of this immense orchestra, okay? And there's different layers in the orchestra, and there's the brass section, and there's the string section, and there's all the sections, right? And I'm seeing, okay, so each instrument is representing basically like a local body type, you know, each instrument. And then the sections are kind of representing like, like different streams, different, like I don't know what else you might call it, but if you look at the global church, you know, there's different things that different, different sounds that are coming out from different churches. And so in this orchestra then I saw, okay, everybody has found their place at least in this scene but there was still this like jealousy and there was still this weirdness and there was still this, oh, the brass section is so loud and annoying. And oh, like, <laughs> um, and, and it was just, it was such this, it was, it was such this weird thing that again, it was just like, y'all, like, and it sounded bad. It sounded bad <laughs> because it's all these people and like each section sounded good, but the sections together didn't sound good because they were all like just, doing their own thing and they weren't so again God just showed me just the beauty of how he made the church and how it's supposed to function and how then if I'm like well how is this going to work and it's it's if we're all looking to the same conductor right if we're all tuned and if we're all appreciate the different sections I mean I can't I'm not going to lie I mean I don't think I would necessarily want to hear just a trumpet sound for very long but in the midst of an orchestra, and when it brings it in at just the right time, it, it's beautiful, right? Um, and so uh, it's, just, it's just so neat how God, how God made his church and how he showed me that. I wanna, I wanna read some verses here and hopefully give a little bit more context. Um, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 and 2. I'm gonna read this in the Passion because I like, I like it for this particular verse. Brothers and sisters, when I was with you, and this is Paul, and he's talking to the church, um, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people. <laughs> Sorry. I, he found it impossible to talk to them as they were mature people. Paul does not beat around the bush. 
I, I actually love that of Paul. Paul. He just cuts right to it. Um, so I'm going to read that again. Brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people, for you're still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you're immature infants in Christ, <laughs> so kind, no. <laughs> I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with the solid food of more advanced teachings, because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you're still not ready to be fed solid food. For you are living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And this is the part that I want to focus in on. And this is, this is something that has, like, this verse and this section of verse, uh, Josh and I, like, when we first even started into um, leading here at Upper Room, this was a huge verse for us that we, it's like, almost like a litmus test for us, for our community. Like, I don't know how many of you have ever been a part of, like, a worship community or, like, especially, like, musicians and stuff like that, you know, there's some stuff that sometimes happens. So I want you to, I want, I want to read on. It says, ask yourselves, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourselves with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you are living your lives centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh and behaving like unbelievers. Whew. I'm like, okay. So I couldn't help like looking at that scripture and then what the Lord showed me with the piano and with the orchestra. I'm like, what are we, what are we doing? What are we doing as a church? What are we doing as a local church? What are we doing as, we, we, we get so individualized and we get so focused on, uh, you know, what our own call is and we spend so much time trying to figure that out that we don't figure out like, just get in place at the piano. Like, I, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, we all want a big part. Um, I'm going to take a drink. <laughs> I'm going to read another verse here. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. And this, there's a few things here that we're going to look at. You guys okay with me using a lot of scripture? Because really, like, he, he says it. He lays it out for me. So I don't even have to do much. So 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm just going to read some of this, and I might stop and comment on it, and I'm sorry if it doesn't line up with this. I did NIV, but mine is like an older NIV, and it's a little different. So here we go. <clears throat> the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, and though all of its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. I love that. We were all given the one spirit to drink. We get to drink him in, just like we've been talking about the, the last few weeks. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. Do you guys understand? Like, you can decide, I don't need the church, or I don't need to be a part of the church, but you are a part of the church, and you can decide you don't need it, and, and you can not, you know, not participate and give up meeting together and all of that, but do you understand, like, that is who you are. That's who he made you to be. <clears throat> If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? How often do we get caught up in that jealousy of, oh, I wish I had her gift, or I wish I had that opportunity, or I wish they would give me that position, or... 
If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, I love this, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body. Just as he wanted them to be. He places, he's talking about the body, he's talking about the church, right? He places you. You can place yourself. You can be a little piano piece and you can go over to the trumpet section and you can sit around. (laughs) You know? Like you can decide, oh, well, I don't like being a piano. I would like to be this. And you can go over there, but it doesn't change who you are and it doesn't change how he designed you and how he made you. And it might be that, I mean, I'm not saying that he can't, like, change. I mean, obviously you can change churches and stuff like that if the Lord plants you and puts you somewhere different. But... I'm saying how he made you and designed you, he's the one that places you. And so I just want to encourage you too, like as you, there's a lot of people that have been hurt by the church. And I, I mean, I would be the first to raise my hand. There's, there's a lot of church hurt. Anybody else been church, church hurt? <laughs> okay, yeah. Most of you. It, it happens. Um, it happens. But, it doesn't change the fact that we are the church, that we are his body, and that we are made to function as a body. We are not made to function individually. We are not made to find our purpose individually. We're made to find our purpose when we, when we get in place, and we get in place as God places us. He's the one that says, this is where I want you. I know uh, when Josh and I went to uh, college, we were at... Um, uh, we went to Middle Tennessee State University, and man, we visited a few churches, and it was hard. Like it's hard when you don't know where your place is, um, and and I think sometimes in the U.S. especially we approach like going to church as like, you know, where's like where do I where do I feel like I fit, or what do I like the best? Do I like the worship here? Do I like the preaching here? Um, is there good childcare? Um, all of those things, and I'm not saying that those things aren't important because I I mean I love those things. But I will say, like, sometimes God will place you. You are a piece of his global church. And sometimes he places you somewhere that maybe you don't like or maybe doesn't make sense. Or maybe you're like, it feels weird. <laughs> but that's where he has you. And so I just want to encourage you to, to listen for his voice and to, to be where he puts you, regardless of, you know, what you're, whether you like it or not. Because if he has you there, he has you there not just because you need to be there but I mean I think about I think about a lot of the people just even in my circles that have been hurt by the church and maybe you know just stay home on Sundays and maybe watch something online or um, you know because they they've been hurt by the church or because they haven't found their place or whatever and I can't help but think you, you might not need you do. You might not think you need it, but have you ever thought about the fact that we need you? <laughs> like, we need you. What if, you're, what if you're like the middle C piano piece? And every time we play that chord, it doesn't sound good because you're not there. And I feel like I asked the Lord, I was like, what am I? What kind of piece am I? And I was like, I think that I'm a tuning. <laughs> I'm one of those little tiny tuning things. I, I would like to think that I'm middle C's tuner, but I don't think I really am. But anyways, <laughs> it's just one of those little knobs that tunes the string so that when it's played, it is played in tune. 
<laughs> right? Um, who knows? But you are a part. Um, all right, where was I here? Yes, 19. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. And when I read that this, this particular time, I was thinking, oh my goodness, like, we're supposed to cover each other. You know what I mean? Like that, the weird uncle that comes on Thanksgiving or not, whatever, like, like, you know, as a church body and as a family, like, you know, like we're supposed to cover each other. They're still part of the body and we need them. God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. I, I, don't, I don't understand all of this, but I'm just going to keep going. So that there should be no division in the body, but that each part should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, I actually think this is harder. I think sometimes it's easy to to, to feel pain with other people, but sometimes it's hard to feel joy with other people. Like, things aren't happening great in our life, and you see somebody else, like, getting everything that you want. <laughs> that's maybe, that's kind of hard. But this says, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. What would it be like to be a part of a community where if one person wins, we all win? <laughs> that's what, that is how he made us. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you, each one of you is a part of it. Man, I love that so much. Um, all right. So there are, there are a lot of verses about um, the church being a body. And I'm not gonna get into Ephesians 4 and 5, but that's another place you can go and look because it basically just says a lot of the same stuff that I just read in Corinthians. It's just more just expands on it even more um but i want to go back to first corinthians 3 where paul talks about that we we behave like unbelievers when there's jealousy and comparison and quarreling i'm just going to read that again so first corinthians 3 3 3 for if you're living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh ask yourself and let's do that right now let's just ask ourselves you don't need to answer out loud <laughs> Is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourselves with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you're living your life centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh, and behaving like unbelievers. And so I got stuck on that word, unbelievers. Um, and as I was thinking about, well, how do we break this cycle? How do we get out of this? And I started to think about um, that we need to start believing the same things, <laughs> right? What we believe is important. If we're going to act like believers, then we need to be united in what we believe. So there's a few things that I want to um, that I want to go over. So how do we get out of this? Number one is through His body, and I want to look at Hebrews. Go ahead and if you have your Bibles. We're going to be in Hebrews a lot, so I'm going to turn to Hebrews um, 10. I'm going to, and yeah, Hebrews 10. It's good stuff. Don't you just love the Bible? 
<laughs> you can see my Hebrews. <laughs> There's a lot of markups here. Okay. Hebrews 10, 19. I'm going to start in 19. All right. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. So we get to enter the holy place through his body. And obviously that's talking about like when he broke his body. But I believe that, you know, there's different levels of the Bible and there's, a, you know, it can have the same meaning. And I believe it's through the body as well, through the body of Christ, through the church. <clears throat> and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider how we might spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So you can see how if, if, we're, gonna, if we're gonna enter his presence through the body, we need each other, and we need each other's encouragement, and we need every part uh, I'm going to move on to um, Hebrews 11.6. So this is talking about belief. So Hebrews 11.6. It says, anyone who comes to him, anyone who comes to him, which we just talked about, how do you come through him? You come to him through him, through the body. But anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So you can't just believe that he exists. I mean, this is, you have to believe that he exists. You know, do you know, demons believe that. <laughs> you know, they do. So you can't just believe that he exists. You have to also believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I thought that was a little strange. When I, I'm like, huh? Like, why does that matter if you believe that he rewards people? It really boils down to his goodness. Um, believing is an important we need to believe the right things, and there's key things that we have to believe. And when each of us, like, settle this in our hearts individually, all of a sudden, unity is kind of automatic. Um, all of a sudden, jealousy and comparison and quarreling just fall off. Um, James 1, 16 and 17. You don't need to turn there, but I'll have it up on the screen. James 1, 16 and 17 says this. Do not be deceived, which anytime the Bible says do not be deceived, it means you're, you're, many people are deceived. It's very easy to be deceived in this area. Do not be deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect thing comes from him. And then Psalm 8411. For the Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Do you guys, so, I know we talk about God being good all the time. There's a reason for that. <laughs> There's a reason for that because that is essential. That is e an essential piece to us and to, and to faith 
is believing that God is not just exists, but that he's good. And do not be deceived because we're so often deceived. He does not withhold good things. And I think sometimes people get caught up in the, um, he does not hold, no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. I'm like, well, I'm not blameless, so he can withhold good things from me. No, not in the new covenant, not if you're born again. Because if you're born again, you become righteous. Why? Because he gives it to you. He clothes you with righteousness. So when it says, no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless, he's talking about you. If you're born again, he, he will not withhold anything good from you. It's easy to say, and that's hard to believe, when you're in the middle of waiting for something, when you, when you feel that you're lacking something. This is, this is the truth, though. <laughs> he does not withhold anything good. It's the very thing that the, the enemy questioned in the garden. You know, this is the oldest lie in the book, that he's not good. Adam and Eve were deceived with this lie, and he's using it to deceive people today. He, the, the devil, the, the enemy, the accuser, I like, he indicated that God was holding out on them. That was, that was the lie that he planted. He indicated that they lacked something. Lacked something they already had. He was like, You're gonna, you'll be like God if you do this. They were already like God. They were made in his image. <laughs> he does the same thing now. That is, that is, he does the same thing. So when we don't get something that we want, when we don't get something that we feel like we're promised or that we have the right to, we begin to question, even if it's subconsciously, why is God withholding this good thing from me? And this lie begins to form. Either, it can be both or either. Either about God, it's either a lie about God and his goodness, or ourselves. So you're either, it's either God isn't good, or I'm not good enough. Those are the two, those are the two lies. Really, those are the two lies. And the truth is, God is good, and he does not withhold anything good. But those are the lies that come in any time that we, that we don't get what we want, that we're, what we promise, what we think we have a right to, whatever, basically. And so if you're struggling with a lack of joy or a lack of peace, I'm going to go out on a limb and just call it that somewhere, somehow, you're participating with one or both of those lies. And this is not a condemnation. What's awesome about the Lord pointing out a lie that you're agreeing with is that he will never point that out if he doesn't also have the ability to bring you out of it and to bring you into freedom. And so that is not at all condemnation, but God isn't good or I'm not good enough. Those are the two. So I want you to just think about that just for a minute. Like, and think about a time or a season. Maybe it's now. Maybe there's something right now that you've been waiting on, that you've been thinking that you should have or whatever it is. Or... Mm. There's so much. It's so deep. And it's, it's so subtle sometimes, these little, these little thoughts that pop into our heads. But when it boils down to it, it's that. So, yeah. I know I've said this a few times, but I just want to reiterate it just a little bit more. When everything is going right in your life, if everything always lines up with how you think it should be, then believing that he's good and that he's for you is easy. 
You don't need faith for it. It's easy. When something goes wrong, it's when death or disease, it seems to win. Um, when a long-awaited promise is delayed, when tragedy strikes, when there's an injustice, when there's senseless suffering, longings unfulfilled, that's when we're most susceptible to these lies. How could you let this happen, God? How could you stand by and let the innocent suffer? Why didn't you heal this? Why haven't you provided for me? Why are you withholding something good? It's in the middle of that mystery and that unknowing that we start to question, and it's right in that place that requires faith. It requires faith. So I want to talk about that. Hebrews 11.6. We're back in Hebrews 11.6. The one that said, yeah, I'm going to start at the beginning of that. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. And we just already read this part. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So do you see you... You need faith to actually believe that. You, it requires faith to believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so I want to look and see what faith is, which is right, at, right ahead of that. And that is verse, um, verse 1 in, in 11. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So if we saw everything, again, line up with the word of God, and it was all as it should be, if we saw things going our way, faith wouldn't be required. As it is, faith, does, faith is required. I want to take it just a little further and go back to Hebrews 2, 7 through 8. Hang with me here. It will, it will make sense. So Hebrews 2, 7 and 8. says, you crowned him with glory and honor and put every, this is talking about Jesus, you crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. And this is the part that stood out to me. Yet out at present, we do not see everything subject to him. Everything is subject to him. We do not see it yet. That's where faith comes in. Faith is being sure of what we do not see, being confident of what we do not see. So everything's under his feet, that's the truth. God left nothing not subject to him, yet at present, we do not see it all subject to him. People still get sick, people die, children are abused, accidents, tragedy, evil can be seen, right? So how can we believe that God is good when we're seeing these things? How can we believe that God is for me when he let that happen? Faith. That's where faith comes in. <laughs> so then, through Jesus, and so here's, um, and I'm skipping around Hebrews, so we're going to go to Hebrews 12 too, because I love this, that the Lord not only tells us what to do, but he also empowers us to do it. And I love this, in Hebrews 12 too, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So like sometimes we're like, oh, well, we need faith for that. Well, I don't have faith. Best way, you don't have to conjure it up. He gives it to you. He's the author of our faith. He's the author and perfecter. So he's both the initiator, the creator, and the one who then perfects it. And it's actually his faith that we get to tap into. It's not even our own. Don't you love that? 
So let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus, you guys know that Jesus was fully man, fully God. Jesus had to have faith. He knew what he had to do, um, and he knew what it was for and what he was doing it for, but he didn't see, you know, he couldn't see that. In the, he, he had to have faith. So he focused his eyes on what was ahead, not on what he was seeing in the natural he didn't fix his, fix his eyes on, you know, the things that were going to be happening. He knew what was going to be happening. He, he freely gave himself, <laughs> but um, he didn't fix his eyes on that. So we don't look at circumstances, we look at Jesus. So that's really, that's really what it boils down to, is it's not about our, um, I'm going to go ahead and have the band come up. Can we do that? I'm wrapping up here. Because I want to get really practical as far as this goes. Um, you know, you guys know the story of Peter when he was going to walk on the water. We're talking about faith. And he stepped out of the boat, and as long as he was, had his eyes fixed on Jesus, he could do the impossible. You know, he could do something. And, but w as soon as his eyes were off, and so when I'm thinking about what's the impossible that we're trying to do here that I've been talking about, the impossible, the thing that requires faith, believing that God is good. The simple believing that he's good. And it's not just like this believing, like this surface, oh yeah, God's good, you know. It's this, this deep well that you can pull from in, in the middle of the most heinous tragedy, in the middle of the, the wildest storm. And no, no, he's good. And he's not going to withhold anything good from me. This is faith. Believing in Jesus and believing that he is good. Uh, Peter, when he talked a couple weeks ago, he said, John 6, 29, he said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one who's, who he sent. That is our work as Christians, is believing in, and not just, and now from the other verses that we talked about, we know it's not just believing in him, believing that he exists, it's believing that he's good. And this is what we have to be thankful for regardless of our circumstances. It's the kind of believing that requires faith and not based on what we see. It's based on who we know. Why don't you just close your eyes for a minute. It's based on who we know. It's not based on the what, it's based on the who. Holy Spirit, come today. Jesus. God, where in our hearts have we thought you're not good? 
Where have we questioned that you might be withholding something good from us? He doesn't do it. He does not withhold anything good. It's not in his nature. If something is being withheld from you, it's not good for you. In this season, at this time, why? Because he's good and he doesn't withhold anything good. God. he wants to do some work right now. And we just open up our hearts to you right now. Search us, Lord. Search us, Lord. We have to go through his body in order to be his body. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So we are wrapping up, but I do feel like just settle in for a minute. Let's take the next five minutes, and then we'll dismiss. Just let the Lord move. I particularly believe that there's things that he wants to that he wants to do in our in our perception of the church. The church, the body, his body is so close to him. He loves the church. And so if we are, if we don't love the church, we're off. <laughs> God, increase our love for the church. All of the parts, all of the sections. God, we come against jealousy. We come against comparison in Jesus' name. God, we don't want any part of it. God, root it out. Root it out. We don't want it. We need each other.
welcome. You can come and get prayer from the prayer team, or you can just come and kneel and just let the Holy Spirit minister to you. But there's two things specifically that I feel like he's dealing with. And there, if you have something else, you're welcome to. But... The first is church hurt. bitterness even if it's so subtle bitterness and then sometimes resentment and that thing can get so ugly and so dark so quick and it is the first thing that is going to keep you from finding your place on whatever instrument he has you on and so there's healing here today I 100% believe that I felt like that was on his heart from the beginning of the day excited to touch you and to heal your heart and give you just such this deep love for the church. So there's that. And then the other one is more of an individual healing and yet it, you need it in order to be a part of the body. And that's that, that individual healing that he wants to do. Yeah. So there might be more. I'm just going to wait. But I would like to just open up this space. It's 11.40. We should be out of here by 11.45. So you can stay in your seats and you can allow him to minister there or you can come. I'm just inviting you to come up front. I feel like sometimes getting out of your um, comfort zone, especially when it comes to surrender and just letting go, can have power. So no pressure, but it's open for you and we're just going to worship for a while. We're just going to worship for a while. I just want Anna to sing over you and just... Let him take you on this journey, right, of surrender.
hug to pray for anyone that's up here to come and surround them you know it talks about us being a body and encouraging each other if you if god's dealing with you stay at your seat that's fine but if you feel a tug towards praying for anyone up here come lay hands on them and pray for them i just want to invite the body to be the body Dismissed. If you want to chat.